Welcome to Save It For The Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Pat Cusick, alongside my co-host, John Doyle, TGIF, everyone, and Mark Acuso. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy weekend, Saturday, by the time you listen to this. Yep. Uh, recording Friday. It is the day after the NBA draft, the day of the MLB trade line, trade deadlines. We've got some fun stuff to get into and three big questions. Um, we're in the full throw of the Olympics. This is episode 25. I believe it's the, I, if I did the math correctly, it's episode 25 and it's also six months of doing this every week. Feels like two minutes <laughs> underwater. <laughs> Pretty good by us. Made it. Further than many suggested we would. I think this is the most dedicated I've ever been to anything. Do we break? Yeah, easily. <laughs> yeah. Do we break this? Do we break podcast? Are podcasts broken down into seasons or is it just... You can, but ours is not. Ours is just a continuous run. Right. It's just our <laughs> There's no... With the WWF, there's no nights off. You know what I mean? Every single week, 365. <laughs> you know, or every week, we will be out there. What is it, 52 weeks in a year? Yeah. We churning them out. We don't get days off. <laughs> Doing 285 yeah. shows a week? Yeah, we can be postponed by the dog show, but that's about it. We come out every single week. No seasons. Some would argue maybe we should take some time off. We'll be like Hulk Hogan. Terry Balea. He can't even walk anymore because he did like 5,000 leg drops a year yeah. for like 25 straight 25 straight years god it's it's actually a great parallel because there's no there's no season there's no end in sight and a lot of times it feels like they've lost the plot entirely yeah diminishing <laughs> diminishing popularity as well well each each week that we do the podcast is like less vigor when we discuss like all right what do we discuss this week well maybe we should consider this and maybe this is for this is for off the pod but i think maybe we should consider um, breaking it into seasons, and then maybe next season, you know, maybe Mark doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> we, we were boys. <laughs> I actually I couldn't disagree more. I think the only thing we have going for us is our consistency. Oh, yeah, that's literally, that's <laughs> yeah. literally it. Yeah, it's like we're one of those players where it's like I don't know. I mean, he's not got a lot going for him, but he's got the effort. The best abilities availability. Yeah, so like we're, we're definitely gonna there. have like these fringe friends or acquaintances that we know that, God willing, let's say three years from now we're still doing our podcast, and someone will say, "Oh my God, they're still fucking doing that podcast," and in hopes that maybe I will give them a little bit of a listen. They've been fucking doing this for three straight years. I, this is ages ago for us now, but this was probably. Ten years after high school, I posted a photo of us hanging out with a bunch of uh, oh people God. from AC and someone else we went to high school with, who we were not friends with, commented on it and said, "Wow, you guys are all still friends! I can't believe it." LOL? Question mark? Yeah, it was just like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Most people lost their high school friends ages ago. We just pretty much gained no new ones. Right, I think we doubled down. Yeah, exactly. We spend more Probably time closer now than when we were in high school. Yeah, it's like, we were just like with all these, it was a photo of us, us three and like five other people we went to high school with, like that we still regularly hung out with. God, yeah. Uh, let's change subjects real quick. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot to get into. We're not going to discuss the Olympics too much. Um, it's actually not in three big questions today, so I thought I'd bring it up. It's been a weird Olympics, right? Because of the times and because it's on fucking Peacock and it's not on regular TV. We tried to watch the one thing that I've been excited for, uh, this gal that I'm seeing and I, we wanted to watch Jokovic at 10 p.m. on, I think it was Saturday night. We couldn't Big fucking find it. Was it on Channel 7? Or was I it, honestly don't know what I, channel We couldn't fucking find it. NBC Sports, probably. I think we, were, we also had, we were at an Airbnb, not, not bragging, just saying. And he was like, have you heard of Rakuten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't. 
We couldn't find it, long story short. You're not exactly a technological whiz. It was likely on a pretty easy-to-find channel, but I agree a lot of the stuff... You're not even familiar with Rakuten, though. It's, I don't even think anyone is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> they do please explain it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a TV app, I assume. I, I'm trying to think I, of the equivalent. It's similar to Hulu, I, I, I don't, guess. I don't think you're thinking of the right is thing. Is it Roku? Or you you're thinking, thinking of Roku. Okay, Roku. Rakuten is like the fucking commerce company that sells like discounted things were you in touch with them about watching the match do, do am i familiar with roku yes i have a roku tv did you would you would you have been able to find Jokovic on his yes roku TV? i'm sure was it on peacock it may have been on peacock might have been an issue. anyway regardless of that your inability to find it it has been difficult um because the games are play. they'll be like a game at like 4 a.m and they'll only show it on Peacock, which is NBC's like app. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you gotta wait till they decide to play it in US prime time on NBC when everybody already knows what fucking happened. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Who the fuck wants to watch it? Like <laughs> You're out of your mind? Yeah. And who out there is gonna say, Oh, don't tell me what happened in the the, yeah. the, the uh if I, if I was at a bar and somebody suggested to me, don't tell me who won the swimming race, I'd punch him in the fucking nose. Don't tell me what happened in the artistic gymnastics. I'll yeah. fucking lose my shit. I'm Keep the dressage results to yourself. It's like, what big money on this. So it's like you, they expected, like they played the, the U.S. lost to France of basketball. I got up and watched that at like 7.30 oh. in the morning. And not that. that Did you start drinking right afterwards? Because I would. It was bad. I was watching it and they're like, well, that sucked. But most people I was talking to about it, like, I can't find it. Where is it? I was like, oh, it's on Peacock. And I'm like, what the fuck is Peacock? And then, like, you look, to, you look on the guide, and it's like, U.S. versus France basketball, 8 p.m. NBC. Like, that's not what it is. It'll been over right. for 12 hours. Oh, my God. But that's the, pro- that's the problem is, like, I think that this is, the Olympics is never going to have any kind of juice anymore, is it? Because, like, unless it's in your time zone, that's what's going to happen. And the Internet, everybody has the results. Like, when we were kids, it took place, um, and they had the Beijing Olympics, right? Yeah. Very similar time zone difference. Nobody fucking noticed. At least I didn't as a kid. I was still watching the fucking wrestling and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, Japan's, what, 12-hour difference? Uh, yeah, something like that, because it starts at 3 a.m. instead of, like, 3 p.m. It's, uh, it's 12, 13-hour difference. Pat, not to put you on the spot, but you mm-hmm. are in front of a laptop. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you know off the top of your head... Are the view is the viewership is it high? It's, it's, no, it's significantly down for a number of different reasons. Not just the time zone, because as John said, there have been Olympics in different time zones. I do think people are more now than ever in tune with like what goes on. So some people are probably watching on Peacock. Some people get the results quicker than they would have normally. So they're not as like, you know, you're not gonna flip on and be like, oh, it is the whatever. It's the big swim race. I don't know who won. It's like you probably do know if you're in tune because they just see it on Twitter or on a variety of different sites. Um, the lack of fans, I think, hurts. You know, yeah. we've seen that in last year's um, NBA playoffs, the MLB. Like, those ratings were down significantly compared to what they were this year and the year before. Right. So I think no fans hurts. And I do think the times hurt. No question about it. I mean, who the I watched the women's soccer game this morning, but I missed the beginning of it because it started early and we had to take Alvin out. We walked him down to... Amy wanted to get a coffee, so like we got, when we got back, got the end of the second half and extra time in the penalty shootout, which was really fun. It was great to watch, but like I wasn't getting up at fucking 
6 a.m. just to make sure, like, and being just <laughs> tuned in to be like, okay, I'm definitely watching this. Yeah, no thanks. And the same is true. The next women's game, women's soccer game, which is one of the biggest sports they've got in the Olympics, um, they're playing at 4 a.m. against Canada in what would be a huge game, but who's going to fucking get up at 4 a.m. for that? You'd be crazy. Only if you're a diehard female soccer fan. Or, yeah. Or more particularly, female Olympic or U.S. Yeah, you, you, either that or Canada, you just got to be, to- or just an Olympic nut. But I mean, if you get up at 4 a.m. to watch a game, your day's in the toilet. I mean, you know, like, you, I know, Doyle, you can attest this more than anybody. Your sleeping schedule's probably been thrown off. If you started waking up at 4 a.m. to watch the soccer games, it'd be a pretty crappy day. Yeah. Yeah. I think I it's pretty early when I, I obviously watch um, Man City. So I go out to the Banshee and stuff like that. And sometimes I'll have to get there at like, you know, 8 a.m. Cracking your first beer at eight thirty. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, usually eight or seven forty-five. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The game starts at eight. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it doesn't really mean I don't start until a little yeah, before yeah, that. Let's, let's not be crazy. Um, but even that's not easy. We're talking four a.m. I mean, just no one's watching it. So it's been, I think, sadly, um, and sort even, of a forgotten even, Olympics. And even you think cracking your first drink at four a.m. is a little bit frowned upon. No, you Unless could be your last did. one. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're on the other end of it, that's a different situation. If you're st- if you're wrapping the night up, okay, maybe. <laughs> I don't have it in me to make it to four anymore though, so <laughs> Well wouldn't you that's it. It's like would you rather stay up would you rather if the game was on Saturday night, would you rather it start at one AM and just fucking stay up and watch it or would rather it start definitely, at four? Definitely stay <laughs> up, I think. I am getting up because if you get up at four <sighs> You're going to be really tired. I guess you could maybe just go to sleep again after the game's over. That's a possibility. Yeah, this is uh, like me, me watching the uh, <laughs> the Korean Baseball League. Yeah, oh my the, God. The, the DC Dinos or whatever. That was a bit different, though. That was actually a, a, a glimmer of hope during those very depressing days in March. Yeah, it's like, wow, me and you, you and I would be texting each other at 6.15 <laughs> on a Wednesday morning. Yeah. You're like, I don't know what this Dynamo was infield. I thought they had to promise. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, yeah, there was like the Dinos and the Dynamo and like the Wiz or whatever. They were great. I have not watched it obviously. Say, they were not great, folks. It was just very sad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I stopped tuning in <laughs> like, after like a couple of games. Yeah, started getting weird. It, no, it started getting weird when John was like legitimately into these games. <laughs> when he actually was picking like, his teams that he enjoyed. Yeah, I was, right. Like, I'm out. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully, um, as we get sort of. More, hopefully the times of the Olympics get a little better because I think they've got some stuff that, like they can stagger it a bit. We like the women's game this morning starting at like seven is not the end of the world or six thirty. I'm I do really want to watch the rest of the basketball. I'm gonna try to carve. Has out USA time. won a game yet? Yes, they beat Iran by fifty four points. <laughs> I know. What, are what you is this? To say? <laughs> the best player in Iran is a guy that played for the Grizzlies for a cup of coffee. He's supposedly thirty six. He moves like he's fifty six. <laughs> he's like he's underwater. <laughs> he's, a win, like, a win's a win, I guess. It's <laughs> yeah. on Mark's uh, flag tag team. Yeah, I mean, who who wrote? Not to get into this too much, but did Frank Nikakila light up Team USA again? I uh, know it was fucking a uh, guy M forty eight ate their lunch. Fuck off. Helped by fucking Yabba Dabba Do Yabba Selly. The biggest play of the game was Yabba Dabba Do. Ball rolling on the ground. He full-on dives. Might have slid on his oh. belly for like a half hour. I don't want to... Saves it to Fournier, who cans a three-pointer to put I know the this is US a convers- up one to down I know this is pretty much a conversation we had last week or the week before about Olympic basketball. But how on earth does a team consisting of two of the best players, Gabo Gershon Yabaselli 
and Yvonne Fournier beating a team apprised of Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and filling any other fucking U.S. decent basketball. But how does that happen? I mean, you watch it, dude. And These, even Evan Fournier and Yabaselli shouldn't even be on the Celtics roster. No, Fournier's a good NBA player. Fine. But, I, but Yabaselli, I agree. Being hyperbolic, but Yabaselli... Well, the thing is... He's out of the here, NBA. Here's what I'd say about that French... <laughs> because he's not good enough. I agree, he's not. But the thing with the France team is... Well, because he didn't adapt so, to the American lifestyle. No, he just wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. No, he, he, the, the France team is solid in the sense they have Rudy Gobert, Fournier, um, Nicholas Batum, Nander Nicole, like all NBA guys. So they are, it, 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 at the very minimum, they have... And they've been playing together for a while. They've all been on the French team for a while. I'm a, I agree with you. It certainly was an ugly loss. This U.S. team looks like they have no clue how to play together. They either hold it forever and, like, try to make their own shot like they might on their own teams, or they pass it way too much. Like, Damian Lillard had a wide-open three, and, like, throws it to the corner to Drew Holiday, who, like, holds it for a second and then, like, drives and throws it out again. And next thing you know, there's four seconds on the shot clock. The ball's in Zach Levine's hands. And I'm like, you know, he's a solid enough player, but the Chicago Bulls fucking stunk. And I don't think we want Zach Levine firing up the big shots. What the is Pop- what's Popovich doing? This he's pretty, doing Popovich has been fucking, awful. This guru, I, I like Greg Popovich. I think people go apeshit for this guy. I don't necessarily get it completely. He seems like he's doing a pretty shitty job right now. He is doing a shitty job. Jason Tatum, not a great sign. We, we don't have to harp on this forever because I'm sure we'll get more into them as the tournament continues. But he... <laughs> Came out with like seven minutes and thirty seconds going in the fourth quarter. Did not go back in. Didn't play any crunch time minutes. Not one of them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to tr- see what translates from Olympic basketball to the to the NBA game. But yeah, that's not a good look for. <laughs> it ain't a good look for Yabaselli. For yeah. old JT. Yeah, we got Yabaselli hitting threes and then doing the fucking bow and arrow yeah, with the Tim Tebow dab afterwards. But yeah, we got Yabaselli do eating on lunch as he. Not a joke. Yabaselli scored four of the most important points of the game, and he was he scored them in the way a guy who like no one respects at all. He was literally just left wide open underneath the basket. They threw it to him, and he laid it in. He did no moves. Why couldn't he do that with the Celtics? Nothing, because people in that take it seriously. I don't know. It is maybe they're not didn't take him seriously or not. He did look like he lost some weight. Maybe it's time to bring him back. The dancing bear, right? Yeah, that was his nickname. Yeah. Hmm. Not just sound inappropriate. He has the biggest butt I've ever seen on the planet Earth. Yeah, he. Well, that was what they said. He's like, he'll really be able to use his ass in the post. Like he'll push people around. He did not, mind you. He did nothing in the post. He, I, I would dare say he did not score one basket in the post his entire NBA career. And guess what? He will not be back in the NBA. So he will end his career. With zero points in the post. <laughs> with the same number of the three of us got. You take your fat, fat ass, ass or not. Yeah. What kind of fucking lazy ass recruiting is that? Oh, this guy's got nice, nice That's only something ass. I would say you if I was an NBA scout. Look at the size of this guy's ass. I, actually, I bet he'll be able to use that somehow. I actually want to camp this because I want to go back to this when we talk about the NBA draft. So let's take a quick break. Because yeah. um, I want to wrap this together. When, um, so let's take a quick break, do three big questions and... Uh, all right, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Save It For The Podcast. To learn more about the show and your three fearless hosts, please visit us at saveitforthepodcast.net uh, or send us an email at saveitforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back to the show, everyone, in our first segment of the week. As always, three big questions. This week we have... 
a couple pretty decent topics to get our arms around here. We're going to start with the MLB trade deadline, which is, as we're recording now, about two hours away from uh, closing at 4 o'clock this afternoon. It's been a crazy MLB trade deadline so far. A lot of contenders are stacking up, and there are just a ton of pieces on the move. It's one of the most active trade deadlines I can think of. Um, have you guys been following it closely? Is there anything, yeah. any any moves that you think, um, well, I guess we should just probably start with like the biggest move, and we can all talk about that, which is uh, Max Scherzer. Trey Turner go to the Dodgers, who are, you know, a uh, favorite to win the whole thing. Anyways, what do you think that does for the rest of the landscape of the league? And what other trades are you guys interested in talking about? Well, it's crazy in the sense that, Jesus Christ, Los Angeles, the Dodgers, they just stack up names, talent, don't they? Yeah. How the, what, what, I, uh, what piece do they just give a bunch of prospects away? Yeah, like a really good catching prospect, and then like I think there are three other guys that are pretty good, like mid tier prospects. I think they, they, they gave two really good prospects, and then some. Um, yeah, the, the Ruiz is the big one, right? He's like the catcher. And yeah. Then, um, some of their other better prospects. It must be really good. obviously clear. The Dodgers are really going for it. They're trying to. Well, the Dodgers piece just have, a dynasty. Here. The thing with the Dodgers is they have one of the deepest. Um, prospect pools in all of Major League Baseball. It's like they gave up this catch and prospect who is very, very good, um, but they he's not even like the top guy in their thing. They already have a great catcher. God forbid the Red Sox has to put together one of those plays to be named later to be one of those guys for the friggin' Mookie Betts. Arguably the best player of our fucking generation, but that's neither here nor there. Seriously. I mean, I guess because of his contract situation, they weren't going to get that. They got Jeter Downs, who should be, you know, playing for the Sox anyway, next year. So. I do think it's interesting that the Dodgers trade for Max Scherzer because almost positive Trevor Bauer's out of fucking L.A. Yeah, I think that that probably means that the details that have not been fully released to the public, whatever they're saying uh, behind closed doors, they don't think he'll be back. I've seen right? multiple reports that... Dodgers teammates aren't a fan of Bowers either. They want him fucking gone. Yeah. So, insert Scherzer, who's a better pitcher than Bauer. Yep. Anyways, upgrade. Great move for the Dodgers. Trey Turner, solid player. The Dodgers have pretty good positional players to begin with, but I guess he plugs in there as a shortstop. Yeah, so um, just like a quick analysis on that is that they were – Talking about it, it's a great move because he's so uh, he's so athletic that he could play second or short. With uh, you know Corey Seager is their shortstop right now, but they're in trade they're in uh, uh, contract extension talks with him now. If they ever were going to decide to part ways with him, they have Trey Turner under a reasonable contract for next season as well. They could slot him in at shortstop full time. Um, so sort of a good play for them in the short term and the long term. Why are the Nationals giving up? Trey Turner, because he is on uh, he's on a reasonable contract for another whole season, right? Uh, yeah, I just I, I truthfully I I do not understand it at all. I don't think that I think that they think that their window is closing for whatever reason. I mean, they won the World Series two years ago. Juan Soto is one of the best players in baseball, but they don't think that they have the horses clearly, right? Well, they, they're going to reset. How do you get better by trading a guy like Trey Turner? He's not old. Yeah. Like, a Max Scherzer, sure. Okay, it makes total sense. You know? How old is Trey Turner? He's under 25. Yeah. Like, He's under 25? That's what be. I thought. 
I'm looking it up right now. Holy oh, no, he's older than I thought. He is 28. Okay, I guess that makes more sense. That's a lot oh, older than five. I thought. on me. Yeah, yeah. no chance. So I guess it makes some more sense. It just feels to me odd. Like, the Nationals didn't... It wasn't that long ago they won the World Series. Now, I know they're not the same team. What do you think of the Nationals trading Schwarber, Max Schwarber, to the... Kyle, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle, sorry, to the Red Sox. Where does he fit in, Kyle Schwarber? Is he... Is he our first baseman? Is he a right fielder? They say he might try to play platoon? first. He's never played first base in his life, besides maybe the Cape League. So does that spell the end of Bobby Day? I just no, I I don't believe he can play first. I just think it's really risky to ask a team, ask a guy who's never played first base in the heart of a playoff uh, push to be like, hey, you're now the starting first baseman for the fucking Boston Red Sox. You're gonna be playing all your games. There. I think I think first base is a lot tougher than people think. It is, and Kyle Schwarber is hurt right now, isn't he? You can't have a bad, an actively bad first baseman defensively. That's not good. No, especially yeah, especially if someone like Devers over in third base, you know, throwing the throwing the uh, yeah. I mean, look, pass, he, he's the the, the throws whatever. Schwarber is fine. It's better than nothing. Uh, supposedly they're going to try to make a place in first base. I think it speaks to the fact that they need. Uh, they think that they're like another solid power hitter away. And he certainly fills the role there. He's a left-handed power hitter. Um, he can play some outfield. I think he'll DH a little bit. I don't know. They'll try to... Platoon he and JD, I guess, in terms of maybe play JD in the outfield, Schwarber at DH, vice versa. It depends on how healthy Schwarber is, because I don't know what what condition he's in to play the field he right now. He has a hamstring injury. I don't know when he's coming back. I mean, just a little worrisome. First base is naturally going to be inclined to hamstring injuries, right? like stretching out for the ball, things yeah. like that. It literally just happened to Christian Arroyo, another guy they asked to play first who had never really played there. Yeah. It's a little bit worse. I mean, look, it's worth a shot on Schwarber. If he can add some punch to the outfield, if he can play any games at first, like, so be it. It's worth it. I do think the Sox are sort of sitting there with their thumbs up their butts, though, while everyone around him does something. Yeah, like you said Anthony Rizzo. Wouldn't you love Anthony Rizzo on the Red Sox? No. I don't I care. I would have liked Anthony Rizzo on the Red Sox. At least he's a legitimate first baseman who's had a good past. That's that's fine, and but we're one of like maybe five teams in the MLB that could use him, you know, because our first our first base situation is fucking bad. But he's not a great player anymore. If we were gonna have to give up anybody like significant to get him, I would have wanted to know who the prospects were. And typically, I agree with you, Pat, in baseball, where like the prospects don't really matter, but they do for a guy like Anthony Rizzo, whose best days are definitely behind him. Like I don't want to give up some guy who is a top prospect in the organization to get Anthony fucking Rizzo for a couple seasons at first base. Yeah, he's not going to turn the dial for the Yankees, is he? No, Joey Gallo is the bigger pickup for the Yankees as somebody who has been hitting the cover off the ball this season. And it's a bit of a redundancy for them, but they, as in terms of how it looks for the Sox, they've definitely been sitting on their butts compared to the Yankees, the Rays, who got uh, Nelson Cruz. They are... Uh, Trying to, as we do this cast right now, they're closing in on possibly landing Chris Bryant. Who is? The Rays are looking at Chris mm, Bryant right. right now. Possibly Craig Kimbrell. Folks, you heard it first. Yeah, right. Breaking I, I got news. Man Save on for the, the podcast. Man on the ground. I, Jeff Passan tweeted that out. I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, and then the the Blue Jays just added, or adding uh, Jose, Yeah. So everybody's adding like more significant pieces than Schwarber. Of course, the Red Sox might be adding the most significant piece if Chris Hale comes back fully healthy. It's true, but they still have issues to sort out. I mean, I don't know. I, 
it's tough because you'd like to see the Sox make a push for it. I don't think they have much in the way of prospects to give up. I, I just some of these guys I can't would like Berrios got a lot, so I understand why they didn't trade for him. It doesn't sound like they gave up much for Rizzo. Uh, it's like a guy with a reliever profile who's sort of like middle of the pack for the Yankees. Like not a bad prospect, but like high upside, high risk because he doesn't have like yeah. you're not sure what he's going to be in the major leagues. Like that to me would have been just fine. Yeah, I agree with Doyle. Like I wouldn't have wanted to give up. If I were the Red Sox, the, the Blue Jays give like the number two and number five or number four prospects in their organization for Berrios. It's a lot. That's maybe too much. But I mean, if they're re-signing him and he's staying there, it's a sort of a different situation, maybe. But I don't know that the Sox would have had an appetite to sign Berrios up for a big deal. I guess you just look at the landscape. Sox have a significant lead over like the Blue Jays and the Yankees. So you're not really worried about them catching you. But like, my thoughts on the Red Sox World Series aspirations are certainly diminished a bit. Like, you look at the Dodgers, and you got to say they're clearly the favorites. Yeah, I mean, I think that, well, the reason that we had to, like, lead off with that trade is that's the kind of trade that makes other teams pull out of trade discussions mm-hmm. for, like, the rest of the season. You know what I mean? Like, if you see, you see that trade go down, and you're somebody like the um, Oakland Athletics, who actually did add, uh, they did add yesterday, but they... I mean, you realize that, okay, there's probably no way that we're getting past the Dodgers no matter what. Like, teams that cannot compete with a totally stacked Dodgers team will say, well, fuck it, I don't want to give up my number two and number five prospects just to possibly make the World Series where I'm going to get buzzsawed by the Dodgers. I guess baseball is one of those weird things, though, right? Like, you look at it, it's not like basketball sometimes or, or even football where, like, the best teams often go always the furthest. Like, it can be that pitchers get hot and things like that where it just, yeah, you know, the 2013 Red Sox win the World Series, a team that nobody really expected. I think the 2019 Nationals would be a team, like, sort of like that. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Sox have a better chance, but it does worry you to see the teams around them really building up. And maybe, like, Mark's right. Maybe Chris Sale will be the guy that it just comes back and he's so good. It doesn't matter. It would be nice to much. see. I don't know if there's anyone available, but it would have, would have been nice to see the Red Sox get a solid middle reliever. You know, I, I think getting a solid starting pitcher was probably a little bit too much to ask. Not realistic, but I don't know, we still got two hours, right? Left in this yeah, podcast. I mean, we're, we're two open. o'clock Eastern Standard Time here on a Friday afternoon, July the thirtieth. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but just uh, the landscape. Uh, what Chuck Blackman, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Um, the landscape in general, though, for the MLB. Huh? Can he pitch? Yeah, right? Maybe a little bit. He can't really do anything else anymore. Um, the rest of the... But I, I was actually really shocked by the amount of deals that got done because all, all I kept reading about was how uh, there were way more buyers than sellers. Yeah. And a ton of guys moved to, you know, Eduardo Escobar going to Milwaukee. They're clearly the favorites to run away with the Central now. And... Um, I don't know, like a lot of a lot of interesting moves from teams that I thought would just sort of not do anything at all. So the second half of the season, I guess not the second half, but August forward will be um, really interesting to see because somebody's going to look way better after this, after today in the MLB. Someone will end up um, like with a totally different, you know, trajectory after these trades. Um, but yeah, um, another. Big topic that we have to discuss. Pretty, uh, pretty cool, by the way. 
the NBA draft happening the night before the MLB trade deadline ends. Yeah, it gives us a lot to discuss, at least. I thought it was sort of cool. You think it's safe for the podcast in mind in terms of our... Our scheduling? Program, yeah. Yeah, I, I shared with the Mansley's uh, work schedule. I was like, can you guys hold off <laughs> until Thursday? Um, I'll let, I'll, Pat, I'll let you lead this off. The NBA draft was last night, and... While I was following it, it seemed like a lot of people's projections on who was going to go where were way off. Did you find that? And what do you um, think was surprising? I would say there was a decent amount of, like, at the beginning of the draft, besides, you know, the first three picks, I think everybody kind of knew were what they were going to be. And then there was some ambiguity maybe after that. I think the vast majority of people thought Jalen Suggs would go fourth, which he didn't. He dropped to fifth. Um, there were certainly some surprises. I think Josh Giddy, the uh, guy from Australia, going sixth overall, nobody had that. The Warriors taking Jonathan Kaminga, even though he had been projected to be a really high pick. I think most people thought the Warriors would pass on him because they're in win-now mode, and he's very much a developmental piece. Yeah. Um, certainly some surprising picks. The Kings taking Davion Mitchell when they have – he's a very six-foot guard uh, who – was a terrible shooter until last year. He got good. I don't know how he fits with um, Darian Fox and... Um, Buddy Heald. Heald. No, not Buddy Heald. The guy that drafted last year, Terry's Halliburton. They're both... It's a very crowded backcourt. It's a strange thing. Yeah. Spurs kind of shocked the world. They took Josh Primo from Alabama. I know you might like him, though, because you're a big Alabama guy, but um, that was just really early for him to me. You know, yeah. him going ahead of Moses Moody... Um, ahead of Corey Kispert, uh, ahead of even like a Cam Johnson was really surprising. My boy Moses Moody went to your Warriors, though. Yep, it was a great pick by them. That was one of the picks I liked the most. I thought Moses Moody there. Also, Kendrick Perkins could have been eligible for Loser of the Week. He's definitely he, in the running for Loser of the Week. He could not, to save his life, say the name Moses Moody for a good three minutes. They were like trying to correct him on air. Really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see this. I'm what, sorry. He was like, Mo- Moses. <laughs> like, dude, what? You can't say Moses? Dude, it's like a very famous name. <laughs> you could say Moses Moody. He kept... Uh, it was verbal diarrhea. I think... I think Ken Big... I think Perk had a stroke on TV. Perk was absolutely fucking horrible uh, doing the commentary. I, one thing, actually, I'll tell you what stood out to me the most. The commentary that they had surrounding this draft... I turned on ABC to watch it at first. It was Jalen Rose in the most god-awful outfit I've ever seen anybody wear, and... I like Jalen Rose, by the way. I we don't. The way. I don't really like Jalen Rose. I just thought the commentary <laughs> was awful there. Then you go to, then you go to fucking ESPN. Jay Bills always drives me crazy. Uh, I actually like him as like a guy. I think he has the right stuff in mind, but I don't love his commentary on stuff. The only guy that's good is Mike Schmitz, who is like the, um, Schmitty? who is the actual guy who does like all their draft stuff. He's great, but it seems like so many other people. Are, are so ill prepared to talk about the draft. <laughs> yeah, they want, maybe it's they like, should come on this show and help us out. Yeah. Well, it's just strange to me because it's like, I guess my suggestion would be they're better off using like the people that really get in deep on it. Like Jonathan Gavoni is the guy who does like their mock drafts and like all this stuff. He really knows a ton about it. He's nowhere to be found. Like maybe more of the college basketball guys because these are college basketball players a lot. It's like, not for nothing. I don't know that Reese Davis and Perk are like doing big time deep dives on these players clearly, to learn about Sagoon. Clearly, Perk doesn't know much about Moses Moody. He can't even say his fucking name. How does he know how he is in the half court offense? You yeah. know what I mean? Once so, again, it's pretty rich of us to be uh, uh, 
<laughs> we're, no, not getting paid, rep. we're not getting paid thousands of dollars. Millions of dollars, yeah. Exactly. Thousands of dollars. <laughs> what I'm going to say for that particular, for, for, for the NBA draft particularly. Yeah. But no, I thought it was an interesting draft. I mean, look, the biggest thing that happened, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to make a million dollars one day. <laughs> the biggest thing that happened, obviously, was that trade with the Lakers. The Lakers trade Montrezl Harrell, the 22nd pick, um, Kyle Kuzma, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope to get Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Like, what the fuck is that about? I, mean, I told you this last night, Pat, during our uh, our podcast prep. I think that move reeks of desperation on the Lakers' part. I agree. They're, they're, they're trading for the name, thinking maybe that there's something left in the tank with Russell Westbrook. Wait, don't you love Russell Westbrook? You thought he was going to really uh, light a fire in Washington, D.C. last year, if I recall. I mean, clearly he didn't, so I was wrong. I don't see how he matches up with... He's not He's not effective anymore. He, like, Correct me, Pat. So That's a legitimacy to my comments. Yeah, what I, I agree. I, I hate the, the trade for them. There was a lot of rumors that they were that the Lakers were looking at trading for Buddy Heald. That was a trade that made a lot That's more a good sense move. That me. would be a good move. He's a good fit there. Russell Westbrook's game is a very bad fit with LeBron. I think Ryan Rosillo said this, which is probably a good point. I hadn't thought about it. This may help the Lakers in the regular season because Russ does play hard, like, all the time. Like, he doesn't sit out any games. He, like, never stops playing hard. Yeah. So, like, there is that. Like, there's something to be said for the fact they may win some regular season games just because he plays and LeBron doesn't. He plays hard, you know? But the other side of that is, like, when you get to the playoffs – He's never had any success in the playoffs for a lot of different reasons. He's a very hard guy to fit in. They really Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands to succeed because he can't shoot. If you're in, okay, say it's Lakers-Suns again, game six, series 3-2 Suns, three-point game. Who is getting the ball? Oh, it's LeBron James. So what's Russell Westbrook going to do? He can't shoot a lick. He's on the bench most, most well, likely. Thing, he's either on the bench making $44 million or he's standing in the corner and his man is completely ignoring him like he's Yabaselli and he's waiting for LeBron to drive to the pass. I said, go ahead, pass on Russ. We don't care. Yeah. He could shoot it all day. So I don't really understand it from their perspective other than, like you said, Mark, they're just taking a swing. They figured, hey, Kuzma, KCP, the 22nd pick. Yeah, they don't mean anything. They're not any good. Yeah. The Wizards must be fucking thrilled. They got rid of a guy who was an albatross with who's going to make forty-seven million bucks next year and made forty-four this year. No one knows him, so he won't be loser of the week. But my cousin Joseph should be very high regard for loser of the week as well. Two years ago, he's a big Lakers fan, lives in Los Angeles, trying to convince me that Kyle Kuzma was better than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, a lot of loser Laker fans did people that. Do like, people people love him. And let's just say this. The jury does not need to be out anymore. Kyle Kuzma, not in his wildest dreams, will ever be as good as Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was hit by a truck, but never played <laughs> again. Kyle Kuzma's not even better than Lonzo Ball, which is what the no, whole... or Brandon Ingram, or any of those people they had. He stinks. Kyle Kuzma absolutely stinks, so that's that for him. Wait, we're talking about real quick, not to derail our conversation, but... But to derail it. Yeah, but, but, but with it was... Do you believe there was, there was a trade on the table where the Pelicans would have taken either Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram? No, I don't ever believe Kyle that. Kuzma? I think most people thought Brandon Ingram was significantly better than Or Kuzma, Lonzo Ball? No, I, I think... Well, Lonzo I, Ball stinks too. Yeah, but so, no, I, I mean, I thought that was the biggest thing of the draft. I think the biggest winner to me, um, this is a team I don't know if I've ever called them a winner before. They're usually the biggest losers all the time. The Orlando Magic. 
Mm. They got Jalen Suggs, who a lot of people think could be one of the best players in this draft at five. And then they got a guy in Franz Wagner at eight, who I think is a great fit for them. Where was he? Where was he at? A pack? Michigan. Michigan. Oh. He's like a, he's, supposedly he's going to six eleven. He's Mo Wagner's brother, the guy who briefly played for the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Franz can shoot the three. He is a really good defensive player already. He sees the floor well. He's a big guy, but he's got some guard skills. I love Jalen Suggs. I think the Magic got significantly better. They used those picks about as well as you possibly could. Um, and that's, you know, I never, ever expect to say that about the Magic because I feel like they actually usually do the opposite. They usually use everything they have as badly as possible. We'll have to disregard this, though, because you just love Suggs because he's a Zags guy. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I, do I like just to... want to leave it alone, although I guess he is pretty NBA-ready, as most Zags Yeah, I mean, it are. certainly, I don't think, um, I think if you look around, it would not be just me that says that. I think, um, I saw Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN said that. I think a few, like Sam Venice from the, or how do you pronounce his name, from The Athletic was really pro their draft. So, I, I think that's a fairly, like, straightforward thing. Um that a lot of people will probably say, but it, the draft is kind of what you make it. If it, it like, it's sort of you're waiting to see what other people do when you have those kind of picks five and eight, and the things sort of broke right exactly as they would have wanted. Yeah, real quick. Here's my impression of Franz v- Wagner no, going to no, Disney World. No, nah, nah, How do you say nah, where's Mickey Mouse? He speaks I, perfect English. <laughs> I I texted Pat. Uh, how many times is Mark gonna do the how you say thing this week? I, honestly, this episode has gone about 33 minutes. I've already had three different opportunities, which I've let pass by. Good for you. Could help myself. Yeah. My, my only question before we move on is, do you think that our podcast would get better or worse if you subtracted one of us, any of us, and replaced it with Kendrick Perkins? Yes, because he'd be, he'd be screaming at the other two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't imagine he'd like find uh, humor that funny. Though he is a kind of a funny guy sometimes, so maybe he'd like us. I don't know. I like Perk on the Celtics telecast. I actually do too. I think Perk's really good on the Celtics telecast. I think he's not as good on ESPN because I think sometimes he falls into the trap a lot of people on ESPN do, which is like trying to say something that like riles people up. Yeah. Like Chris Middleton's Batman and Giannis is Robin. It's like the thing about saying stuff like that is (laughs) it sticks around and you can't delete it so now after Giannis just scored 50 fucking points in the deciding game and dominated the entire series he's gonna be like well they're all superheroes like yes but Robin is not a superhero actually he's a fucking dipshit he's a who boy. runs around behind bucket Batman you say one guy is Batman and the other guy's Robin it is not a compliment to both of them nobody's <laughs> ever been like wow yeah look at him go that's a real Robin right there I get to be Robin pretty yeah, good for me nobody has ever been happy to be Robin no. exactly even Scotty Pippen who's the classic Robin yeah. would never say to a man oh I was Robin yeah, yeah nobody wants to be thought of as Robin you might accept the role yeah. but certainly it is not a compliment to be like yeah that guy's Batman and that guy's Robin it's not an insult per se he's saying like you're an asset to the other person <laughs> but you're not the top guy you so can't you, do it by yourself yeah exactly you're a helper right that's what Robin is yeah. Robin does not go out on his own and save the world actually more often than not he's in trouble and has to be yeah. rescued by Batman so. <laughs> yeah it's like oh man this guy's Batman and you're Catwoman both <laughs> yeah. pretty great stuff right <laughs> both yeah, the same it, universe it, yeah well seriously it's like okay 
That's no, thank you. you. Yeah, it's Batman and Alfred Pennyworth, the butler. <laughs> it's like, okay, fuck, like what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, they're both great. It's like, okay, Alfred might be great, but he's a fucking butler. So yeah, it's very, he's very loyal. Uh, last, before we just move on real quickly, I said I wanted to bring that Yabuselli thing back. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. We Celts draft pick forty fifth uh, guy who plays in France from Guadalupe. I gotta be honest with you, I could not have hated this pick more. It's the 45th pick in the draft, so what does it matter, right? I saw two photos of him, and it looks like he had a joint for breakfast to both of them. <laughs> it's, I get it. It's like, look, it's 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 the second round. It's pick 45. What does it matter, right? The Celts have young guys. They don't need a lot. This guy is he like... Would... Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? Were you going to scream? Were you going to scream something? It just seems like his skill set is similar to every other guy we've drafted in the past. Yeah, is, he, is he thick, though? No, he's skinny, and he can't... And he, like, it just, he has a lot of upside, but it's way away, and it does feel like a Celtics team who has no, um... Direction? Like, just no good players, right? Like, <laughs> we're low on good players. There were good players to be had out there. Sharif Cooper from yeah. Auburn, like, he's young, and he was great in college. He could have, he was ranked in people's top 20 in this draft, and he went at 49th or something like that, 48th. Crazy. Like, Between this gentleman they just drafted, Nesmith... Romeo, Romeo Lambert, is, is it? Who cares, right? They're, they're all well, three just, of this stuff, look, right? I get, I, look, I do get it when you say like, "Hey, this is the forty fifth pick. What does it matter?" And maybe they felt like they needed a draft and stash guy because he's obviously not coming over soon. But the Celts are so in such a bad cap space. When I see like we don't have really a lot of point guards, like maybe Steve Cooper or maybe B J Boston from Kentucky. Kentucky guys have a lot of success. Wait, his last name is Boston. And we pass up on him. Yeah, Kentucky guys have a lot of success in the NBA. Like Boston, maybe turns up guards. Yeah, correct? he's six seven, like small forward shooting guard. Like he might have been able to help. There was also Phil Petrosev, the big guy who was from Serbia, played at Gonzaga for a little bit. Like was really good. Like a seven footer yeah. who can shoot threes. It's like Celtics need people that can help. Uh, this guy that they got, um, that'll be interesting. Juan Beggarin is like he's not gonna be over here for years. That'll be interesting. Let's say three years from now, if you listen to this podcast and these guys you mentioned to see if any of them yeah. actually pan out. Yeah, and this guy could be good. You know, I understand that. Like, you do want to take guys sometimes, just you want to be an upside type pick. So yeah. I get that, and maybe I'm being too narrow sighted in that. Like, I'm looking at like who could help today, and no. they're obviously taking a longer view, which I understand. But it's also gonna be tough when it's like. Running it back with Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards and Dude, Grant Williams and Tyler. What, no, 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 no. what about <laughs> Sharif Cooper? Is good right now. Yeah, I watched a lot of those Auburn games. The other guy from Gonzaga, Ayayi, Joel Ayayi. Yeah, he would have been good. He was still there. He no was one likes SEC on basketball more than you, huh, John? That's fucking right. Don't don't forget it. It just there were guys that I thought could have helped. And how about how about Ricky Rubio getting traded again? Yeah, very odd. How many times has he been traded? Like a, like 10 times? I don't know. Not exactly ideal. But that's enough NBA draft. We'll talk about it more as uh, the rest of the stuff shapes up. How do you say yeah. I've been to like 15 different fucking NBA teams? <laughs> no, fuck's sake. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of things that don't really matter, like Ricky Rubio's uh, globetrotting around the NBA, we go from two like very like relevant, must-discuss-now topics to something that... I'm not sure uh, what there is to say about this, but we're going to do it anyways. Our third question is, NBA tra- uh, NFL training camp day one was this week. Mark, this is kind of your baby. I'm going to let you run with it. What are your takeaways from day one around the league? Aaron Rodgers reports to camp. Mm-hmm. Having said that, totally disrespects his entire Green Bay Packers organization. Yeah. 
That did happen. Well, not, I mean, the, the, the ownership maybe and, like, the general manager, but not, like, the players or the fans. No, of course not. And I don't think, honestly, the organization, they're willing to swallow their pride. They, they give a fuck what, if Rogers is going to say some stuff poorly about them. Yeah, I'm sure they probably don't like it. Uh, I mean, I think they would rather Roger say with the hatchets buried, we're good. Have you, as anyone, have, have either of you ever seen a more high-profile player trash a current organization like that? I'm sure. It was pretty weird. I mean, there's no question. It was a strange thing to see. I, we've seen weird press conferences before, like when Dwight Howard had demanded that trade from the Magic, but he, like, Sam and Gundy, like, acknowledged it while he was talking to the reporters, and then Van, then Dwight Howard came over and tried to pretend like everything was fine, like, put his arm around him. Yeah. And Van Gundy was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He literally just told the reporters, like, yeah, he wants to be traded. So, like, but that was strange. But this was pretty odd because Rodgers was clear. Like, Rodgers' complaints to me, I definitely got it, right? You drafting Jordan Love was a clear sign they're getting ready to move on. From, Dick like, move on the Packers' part. But if they thought he was great, then I understand that. But they also, like, they didn't, they haven't added any, like, legitimate assets uh, for wide receivers and things like that. But he's, like, mad they cut some guy named, like, Jake Cuckenrow or whatever. Like, who the fuck was this guy last year? Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, I don't, I, I don't. Come on, Jake, K-U-M-E-R-O-W. That's the guy they cut. And, and he was like, pissed about it. He was like, he was the best receiver in training camp. It's like, who fucking cares, man? Let the fucking other guys make some decisions. Like, like you really... This guy is terrible. He played for the Bills last season, did nothing. Six games, one catch. Who cares? I think that I think that that's just a but that's a microcosm of his frustration with the organization, where he feels like he hasn't been, he has had no control. So little shit like that has like started to bubble over and really piss him off, right? I guess I would just say you should be really careful what you wish for when you're a guy who wants to stop making like, franchise decisions, because, like, you watch LeBron James, right? They sort of gave him run of the roost a lot of different places. He told the... What's the reorganization in shambles when he leaves? He, he, he's like, I love Shabazz Napier. We got to draft him. They draft him. He was gone with about 30 minutes. <laughs> and let me just tell you, that guy did not exactly work out. Uh, when he goes back to Cleveland, we got to sign up J.R. Smith, big deal. We got to get Tristan Thompson, a big deal. Boom, boom. He was out of there virtually afterwards. Those deals were still sticking around. So it's yeah. like, you know, if the Packers feel like Jake Kumanrau stinks, well, they probably should fucking cut him. Yeah. But I also understand Rogers' frustration in some ways of, like, they do have very bad wide receivers. Well, there has be, to be a middle ground. Yeah, yeah the Packers that, organization, they uh, maybe they started to mend fences. They uh, re, they traded for Randy by name, Randy by nature, slob on my knob, corner on the cop, real yeah. cop. Yeah. Great. They'll turn the dial. He's perfectly fine. But why is Rodgers obsessed with getting Randy Cobb back? What year is it? <laughs> well, I mean... The, I mean, it's for a six-round pick. I, I mean, if Randy may not even make the team, for Christ's sake. He'll be fine. I mean, he's better than who they have. Yeah. He's like, oh, if he's healthy, he's certainly better than most but of the guys. That's a big thing, have. right? Was he 33? 34? Uh, something like that, I would guess, yeah. Right, we're nice. Randy Cobb yeah. enough. You brought him up. You fucking brought him up. We don't ever have to talk about stuff like this unless you blurt it out. Just so you know. I know. We're not talking about Ricky Rubio or Randy fucking Cobb or any of these guys. But um, besides that, are there any other takeaways from the beginning of camp? Um, uh, Carson Wentz heard his foot is out indefinitely. No, I didn't hear that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. 
No timetable for his return. He's if you're a Colts fan, that's pretty disheartening, right? They have if that were, guy, Beeson. Uh, Eason. Jacob Eason. Eason. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, Jacob Eason is, like, Not taking good. first team snaps for them. I think it's the most frustrating thing when you trade for a guy who has had injury history and you're kind of banking on maybe, even if it's just one season, can come unscathed and just put together a great season, no injuries, and the first fucking practice. He injures his fucking ankle, which hasn't even been an issue in the past, I guess. This guy is just fragile. He's fragile, yeah. He's very fragile. Not a good situation, man. If he's hurt again, boy, they're going to feel really dumb paying that big contract. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo. He will not make it through the season. No. Maybe not. We don't know, though. It's only day one of training. (laughs) There's plenty more NFL talk to come. Um I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted, anybody wanted to mention before we wrap I up. I mean, do we want to discuss from a local standpoint? I know we're trying to branch out into a more of a national audience, but perhaps we could touch on the Patriots real quick. Cam Newton, oh, yeah. Guess, what have you seen on your IG recently? Anything good? No, Mike Reese's Pieces basically said that Cam Newton looked pretty solid out there. Mike Reese's Pieces. He looked like unequivocally the starting quarterback for week one. I guess Mac Jones looked okay. He was not getting rattled. This is, again, day one. Yeah, week one, I guess. They've had a week. Anyway, now. yeah, that's it. So I that's think I, I, I would just say I I think that it would take something massive for Cam Newton not to start. Right? Like, I think it would just, like, there would have to be, if not including injury, for Mac Jones to start. I don't even know that he does anything he could do in camp to beat him out. I, really I think don't. Belichick is so stubborn that I agree with you, Pat. Outside of barring injury, God forbid, or some type of awful scandal or what have you. Cam Newton's Bill's guy. Yeah, he's going to start the first Come hell or fucking high water. That's how I feel about it, too. At least at least the first what, four, four, four games, I would say, is like pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. Like It's definitely going to be Cam, unless like there is an injury or something absolutely strange happens. I that, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. That's why I would recommend... I mean, we don't have to talk about it again until week one. <laughs> we, <laughs> could just, we could just set it and forget it. What about what Desha- oh, speaking of odd scandals, is Deshaun Watson in camp? He is in camp. Supposedly, I don't know. They're still working through. The I would be. I would say my first bit of advice to Deshaun would be delete all of your apps. Yeah, mine would be leave people alone. Um, but yeah, a little cooling <laughs> off period for Deshaun. Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens with them. Luckily for him, I mean that franchise is such a mess that no one's really talking about the fact that he's back. I feel like they have not said a word about it. It's just like he's just totally off the radar for whatever how reason. Is, whatever, I don't want to talk too much about this. I just don't know how somebody who is currently ten of the cases have gone to the police. How can you allow them to come and practice and stuff? Like, yeah. is it not better for everybody if they like stay it's home? It's because he's the franchise fucking quarterback. But like, that's isn't all. it just better for everybody, him included, if he just stays home for this? Well, I well yeah. Like, how about this? It's just talk about the elephant in the fucking room. Like, hey, is is Watson gonna be here today? Like, how would you act, interact with him? It's like this. First off, he if he did these things, he's so reprehensible. But like, there's something just hanging over. Do everything. you split up the first the first team refs with him and I don't know who the fuck's a backup. Davis, Shop, whatever fuck. they just drafted, Davis Mills or whatever the kid's name is from Stanford. Oh, from Stanford, yeah. Do you split up the the first first team refs? You almost have to. Yeah, well, you you just risk dividing the locker room like between guys that probably like Deshaun no matter what and guys that are like don't know him that well who think it's. Fucking crazy that he's there. So, because yeah. they've had so much roster turnover too. So they yep. are just 
But again, that's not even. It's so funny because it's just the the. It's not even on the national radar right now, really. No, it's too much other stuff. There's too much other, and that's. I guess that's good. That's a good break for the Texans. They get to just quietly do whatever they want down there for now. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens if they continue to allow them to show up. Um, I think that's all. I, that's all I have from around the league. What about you guys? Is that it? Yeah, it looks like a break. All right, we'll be right back after this break uh, with this week's toss up. You're listening to Save It for the Podcast. If you have any burning questions you'd like to hear discussed next week on the show, shoot us an email at saveitforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show and our weekly toss-up segment. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our second segment of the day, toss-up. Last week, we picked our space cruise. What celebrities we would take with us on a voyage to outer space. Got some good feedback. Uh, most people thought I had the best crew, but what was unanimous was Mark's crew was a disaster. Again, a lot of um, people not feeling great about you saying Tom Brady would be the last person alive you would golf with, and yet you are going through space for six months with them. Do you have any better defense for yourself this week than you did last? It's apples and oranges. I Golfing is a leisurely sport. And in this scenario, it's some charity event mm-hmm. where we're spending time with someone that we think we'd enjoy spending time with. I know Tom would want to spend time with me, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to spend time with Tom. So we're what changes on a six-month voyage to out of space? <laughs> I trust Tom with my life. I think this guy's a, 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 he's an unbelievable leader. I, I watched him play for every single one of his fucking games for however many years, 19 straight seasons. And... I feel most comfortable with him captaining my ship outside of an actual astronaut. Right. Okay. I think he has all the intangibles to be an incredible astronaut. Point stands, horrible choice by Mark. There's uh, also a lot of people very suspicious about the Carrie Underwood pick. Many. Not a lot of people thinking. Well, you guys are sexist. You no, guys you s- picked her to harass her. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you don't know any of her music. I didn't think I was going to harass her. Well, it was worrisome. You were going to try to use your six months up there to trick her into having sex with you over the other two men. Guys, it's like the James Brown song. This man, this is a man's world, but ain't nothing without a woman, something like that. You can't have a spaceship with all guys. It's way too it's, much testosterone. I think that like NASA would disagree, because <laughs> for 35 years of their program, they didn't even allow women in it, because they were afraid of what the men would do up there, because men are animals. That's you. Mm-hmm. You're the reason. I think out of the three of us, me, not not the three, me, you, not the three of us. Yeah. You, Liam, Mason, and me, me, Liam, and Tom. I think I'm the last one to get handsy with Carrie. All right. Well, I don't need to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but regardless, your team was a bad team. You've selected many bad teams so far from flag football to space. Now, we are choosing another group. This, let's see if you can do better. This week, we're inspired by a variety of different movies and TV shows we're choosing our own heist crews. We're putting together a team for a big job. It can be whatever you might think, bank or whatever it is. Some big job. We're picking the, the fictional characters we think would be the best on our team. I so chose, us work, I chose th- sorry, Pat. I look, chose three guys. How many did you choose? Three. Want? I chose three. Three guys. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Um, and there's other, we'll do some honorable mentions too, but... Um, how do you want to do it? Do you want to just announce our teams? I don't think we should have overlap if we can avoid it. But maybe there will be. I don't know. 
I think that we should do it like we have. I mean, I guess there are not always defined roles. Yeah, there's not roles, I don't think, as much here. I guess there sort of are, but... Yeah, I'd be shocked if we... Had any overlap? Yeah, I'd be surprised. I would be surprised if we had some All right, overlap. give us your team, then. Give us your full All team. All three guys? Yeah, go ahead, if you think there's no overlap. I'm going to go the... For lack of a... I guess I could have Googled. I, I think we should do one at a time, okay. because we can discuss each person. Okay, yeah, Mark, give us your say. first one. Should I Google this this character's name? Yes, you should have had it already. I don't know why I didn't. So just just for the sake of the podcast, I'll come around to him. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go second on him. I'm gonna go with Nick Wells from the score. Nick Wells was played by Robert De Niro. Yeah. The one issue with Nick Wells being on your team is that he's always had the motto of doing his jobs on his own, and so great pick. Having said that, he is a professional, very experienced. I feel as though if I convey to him that this is a big score that we have the opportunity to accomplish, I'm a pretty affable guy. Nick Wells seems pretty no bullshit, just like myself. I feel like he would have been a great, uh, great addition to my heist team. Your heist crew. Yeah, he's All kind right. of the brains. Okay, he's kind of. Masterminding the whole deal, experienced, successful. Nick Wells from the movie The Score, played by okay. Bobby D. I like it. Okay. How about you? Um. So my first guy that I had. Pull up my list. You should figure out your guy's name. Yeah. Not a good stuff. Go, I don't know how what order I should use him in, but I'll I'll go with who will be helping me kind of plan it out. It's Dalton Russell. Especially <laughs> Bethany. A friend of the cast said that I need some. Oh, what, what did she say that I needed? Sensitive sensitivity issue. Yeah, you uh, turn sensitivity, sensitivity training. training. Yes. So <laughs> I think I saved myself by not saying the. Okay, good. First we'll person. get back to you. <laughs> My first guy is Dalton Russell, uh, which is Clive Owen's character from Inside Man. Good one. Uh, a genius, obviously, plans out one of the best robberies I've ever seen. Also altruistic, clearly a good guy. Like he has the right things in intent in in mind. Like you, if you've seen the movie, you know he's doing it for his own good, but also to expose some bad stuff that's happened yeah. with the bank and the people involved in it. Um, if I was planning a job out, which in this scenario I assume myself is like kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to do this, he's exactly the type of guy I'd want on my team because we can get it together, put our heads together, and say how are we going to do this. And he he's got some great ideas, way more than me. So I'd be kind of following his lead in some ways there. So like he's, he's top of my list. Good one. Um, I went a little out of left field here, but my uh, first round draft pick. Is I'm gonna go with a uh, classic movie character, Indiana Jones. Hmm. I think that he's the kind of guy that you want as your uh, leading man in a situation like this. A heist is a heist is a heist. Um, he has pulled off some of the most incredible and daring, uh, you know, archaeological heists of all time, and he has uh, escaped many death-defying situations. I'd like to get him into uh, into. I'd like to put my head together with him to try to figure out whatever we're trying to steal. I think that he was, and he's also he's got a lot going for him because he's a tough guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of skills that you might look for. He's a great driver. He's got all kinds of stuff going. He's for him. definitely got all the requisite skills. He's a great pick in that regard. The only question you'd have of him is, would he be willing to steal something that was not 
like historically relevant. Right. Like would he be open, <laughs> would he be open to just robbing a bank with yeah. us? Like he may be I like mean, I don't morality come into play. Yeah, because yeah, his moral his morals are not like he's pretty I mean, strict. For Christ's sake, in the movie, the, one of the first scenes in Indiana Jones, there was a gal that was giving him bedroom eyes. And he wasn't having any of it because I think he was spoken for, correct? No, no, no. no. Or was against his morals. He's actually not that way at all. And the first woman that you meet is super problematic. She's like, you use me. And I was a child. And he was like, you know what you were doing. Also, the, one of the crazier things about him is, which I like about the movies, he like kills with like utter disregard for anybody well, else. they're all trying to kill him. I mean, he's not walking into like classrooms and shooting people in the brain. That's something. He's like, yeah, I don't like, think he's gonna light up the bank teller over at the local yeah, bank yeah, of America. He, well, you can you can you can count on Indy to keep his cool. He will keep his cool. That's for sure. And he'll try to get out of there without uh, a body count. But if push comes to shove and somebody draws on him, he will shoot you. Fair enough. All right, who do you have as your second guy, John? Second guy. Yeah. All right. We're doing snake snake round. Yes, that's what we did before. All right. Well, in any situation like this you're gonna need a guy in the van right you're gonna need a tech guy somebody who knows a little bit more uh uh than you about what's going on and i went with um albert gibson tom arnold's character from true lies who's a great um oh, interesting great man in a van when you're trying to pull off some sort of undercover work hmm. great tech guy also Good comedic figure to have. You're going to want to keep things light when you're out with me and Indy. Interesting. Yeah, my guys are all pretty fucking serious now that I think about it. I'll be getting stressed. I can say this. Yeah, you'll, you'll be very stressed. You'll be sweaty palms all over the Big place. Time. Um, I think the guy I went with for my second pick, I wanted people with varying sets of skills, but everybody who had a thinking mind and could kind of go about stuff the right way. I chose, chose Brian O'Connor from Fast and the Furious as played by Paul Walker. Right, Somebody James. who has an inside knowledge of how the FBI and police departments work. He's used that to pull off many major heists. He knows what it takes to be part of a big crew that does things. Uh, if you watch it, he's much more even-keeled. I thought about Dom Toretto, obviously, right? Because he's pulled more jobs than anybody. Great driver, super tough. His temperature, his temper gets the best of him. Very loyal to his family, much like you, yep. Dom Toretto. Yeah, but his temper gets the best of him. Brian doesn't have the same issues with his temper yeah so that's why i want to go with brian instead i think he's equally strong at planning things out he doesn't have the physical abilities in a fight he's a solid fighter but not the level of dom but i think that his temperament will fit well on our team that would be tough having dom on your team it's like day two of planning for your heist and oh dom's upset he's in one of his moods yeah he's, right he said we can have a corona or nothing <laughs> <laughs> corona or nothing yeah so like that's where dom falls apart now you'd obviously want dom if you're going to be getting your my hope is to plan a job where we can do it and get out without really having any people know we're doing it, which is why I'm going for smarter guys yeah. versus like, you know, a bang them down, shoot them dead kind of situation, which I'd like to avoid if possible. Yeah. Who do you have? So I'm surprised. This is the first gentleman mentioned from the movie Ocean's Eleven. I'm going to go with Yen. Oh, from Ocean's acrobat? Eleven. Yeah, the guy who can... That is a skill set that I have yet to see duplicated, what he has. Yeah, True. Tom Arnold doesn't pull any moves like Tom that. Tom Arnold <laughs> is no. not going to do that in his wildest fucking dreams. <laughs> nope. So Yen, essentially, they, he's, he's small enough to put him inside of a uh, duffel bag. He's also a contortionist. Yep. They get him into the bank vault, and he does all these crazy contortionist acrobatic moves over a, I think it's a, a blind uh, security yeah, yeah, yeah. light. And... 
I just assumed you'd be the man in the duffel bag in your scenario. <laughs> well, exactly. If we didn't have Yen, it would be me. <laughs> so you got to get Yen in there. Get Yen in there. Remember from Ocean's Eleven, I think the biggest takeaway from a lot of viewers was, I feel like Yen's the MVP of the team because what he can do, no one fucking else can do. Yeah, that crew was too big. There were a lot of guys... Um, a lot of six-foot-plus guys there. A lot of guys doing a very minimal job while guys like Yen... Yeah, what did, what did Brad Pitt's... Like, I was thinking about Brad Pitt and George Clooney's characters. Just, I feel like they just kind of were the face of the... They planned the entire thing. I understand that. The reason the plan well, that's why works I is... That's why, that's why I got yeah, Nikki so Wells. so George Clooney and Brad Pitt planned the entire thing. Oh, well, I got Nikki Wells. So that little guy does not throw himself in a bag and just be dropped down there. <laughs> All right. It's George Clooney says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to yeah. do that. That's the most important thing. God, okay, so, whatever. Okay. Casey Affleck and his brother in the movie right. were the two guys that I was thinking about that don't do Yeah, much. what's the guy's name there? Sean Patrick, whatever. Yeah, I forget the guy's, uh, the, the brother's name. Let's bring this back right. to Yen real quick. Anyways, I think you need a guy like Yen who... The, the, here's, here's the thing. Yen definitely has a very, very good skill set for one specific thing. He's used I to only need him to do one thing, baby. But, but what? So your plan has to be specifically related to a scenario where a man in a bag <laughs> who is a contortionist is needed. Because his other skills are non-existent. His communication skills are poor. He is not good with a gun or anything. He's certainly not a hand-to-hand fighter. He's tiny. Um, he's not a mastermind planner. So in your scenario, the mo- you pretty much need nobody else because you're just going the bag route, right? <laughs> your whole scenario is putting a man in a bag inside somewhere. Hey, you telling me? You telling me you assemble a heist team and one of them happens to be professional acrobat slash contortionist? You can't find a role for him. I could, I could maybe, but if I was limited in the number of people I could have on my team, he would not be at the top of it. Because, as I just said, what is he going to be doing? He's doing the moonwalk as the guys fire their guns at us. And it's like, look, I can bend over like the Matrix. They miss me. You I'm might be able behind him with a bolt in my chest. Yeah, when you are, when when me, Nick, and my third, my other guy I haven't mentioned yet, are plotting our heist schedule, what have you. There's gotta be. We can probably drum up some wild fucking scenarios in which we can use Yen. Well, that's the problem. To infiltrate. What? what? I'd love to give me one. <laughs> that give me one scenario that you well, would use for science. If we want to, if we want to rob the Bellagio, we already know there's okay, a blueprint so, there. So, if in a scenario where you are not robbing the Bellagio, right? What is Yen doing? You're just putting him in a bag again and hoping nobody looks, and you're putting him in what another vault? Well, yeah. Do you think that? Do you think so? That your plan is why didn't you just pick the other Ocean's Eleven guys? You're just doing the same plan. Because I think a lot of them have very redundant skill sets. You have the two gentlemen from Provo, the the Casey Affleck and his brother. <laughs> I'm gonna get Nick Wells for my mastermind. I think Nick is gonna be annoyed when he sees that Yen's in the crew because he's gonna be like, "You're gonna spend a lot of time trying to figure out." What you can stick Yen in to get some juice out of him. <laughs> like, all right, well, we do have this guy who fits into tiny spaces. Can we use that? It's like, I don't think so. Nick's like, I don't think so. Yeah, but what do they think about me? It's like the, the slightly more bigger, smaller guy. Who can't fit into anything. I hope the third guy speaks Yen's language so you guys can tell him what the plan is. That's true, maybe. My third guy will be strictly a translator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Third guy makes duffel bags that fit people inside. <laughs> anyway, Yen, there's no way you can't find a role for Yen in which 
There may be something that's like, fuck, we we need this. <laughs> if only we had a guy in the back. You keep saying there's no way you couldn't find a role for Yen. You, you, your view, he's not a multi-talented guy. His his role is very, very it's specific. Not, it's, it's not being just, stuffed in a bag. It's not. <laughs> it is. It's being also, in a box. Yeah, he's also he's so on top of being a contortionist, he wears a few different hats. Like what? He's also an acrobat. This gentleman can scale up fucking buildings. All right. Okay. You saw in the first scene. So, for example, I think I can answer your question right now. In the very first scene of Ocean's Eleven. Uh, Danny Ocean's played by George Clooney and Brad Pitt's character, I forget his name, doesn't matter, are watching Yen and they say, oh, I don't, doesn't seem like much, he's doing a few things. And then they see him scale up a skinny ass pole and then do, do like a backflip onto like a, like a, like a plastic uh, rolling ball. And then they say, oh shit, okay, we have some use for this gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, I still think he's a little limited, but all right, John, who do you got? For my, for Wait. my I think you go next, right? I go, is this my third guy? Um, so how Mark, many guys? You, how many of you picked? Oh, Mark, you go again. Yeah, you go again, and then Pat okay. goes, and then I go. Mm-hmm. Third guy, I'm going to go Bruce Willis's character from Bandit. Hmm. I don't remember that. So the movie he played, he is partners with Billy Bob Thornton's character. Oh yeah, I remember this movie. And they are a team. They're a, a duo of heistmen, bank robbers. Bruce Willis's character. Is not only more the brains of the operation, but he's very much like, let's get this done. So one of the first, when they get out of jail, one of the first banks they robbed, Bruce Willis did strictly by using a fucking highlighter. He pretended it was a gun because they were short in cash. They needed to make a quick score. They didn't have a gun. They just broke away from fucking yeah. prison. This is a smash and grab job. He fucking snagged a highlighter. Put it against the security gentleman's chest and managed to get away with a bunch of money that they lasted for months. So this guy is smart, he's ballsy, he's let's get this fucking done, and he's pretty uh, nifty behind the wheel. He's my wheel man. You do need a good wheel man. You need someone with balls. Yeah. Yen has balls. To make up for my lack of balls. Yen is serious with some fucking balls. Yeah, I wouldn't be getting in that bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Or is it me? I don't know about this one. Uh, I think it's me. I picked a guy. Um, I thought we needed some muscle because in case things go wrong. Yeah. I picked uh, Doug McRae, Ben Affleck from the town, because you know he's not afraid to really get in the mix. So that would have been a one overlap. I almost went Ben Affleck's guy from. Because. Doug, the issue with him is I think he's got a little bit too good of a hot in some ways because he obviously falls to that lady, but he's still really good at pulling the jobs off. He's unfortunately pulling off with dopes most of the time. Yeah. But he's good at planning out stuff. He takes it very seriously. He's not afraid to get into a firefight. He also just seems really smart. Like, his getaway at the end was really good, sneaking into the the bus uniform, like, faking them out, making them think he's going somewhere. Like, he, Doug seemed to have a really, he grew up as, you know, the family of criminals. He knows what he's doing, but he's also, I think our other, our situation right now is we needed somebody who really knew his way around a gun, but I don't want any just brutes, because I think where you get into the issue with some of these crews is when you got a guy who's shoot first, think later, and I don't want that. I want a guy who knows the last situation is we may have to get into you know, a shootout or a fistfight or whatever it is. But that should be our last option. And I feel like Doug was a good fit for that. I also feel like I'd get along well with him. 
Somewhere around, yeah. yeah kind of, you know, seemed like a jovial yeah. enough guy. That's a, that's a theme throughout for you, is if the guy is... Pat, all you Boston. like is Coke and Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the, guy's, if the guy's from Boston, either in real life or in the movie, it's like, well, at least we have something to talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. We could get along decently, and I think we'd have a nice team. I like the fit of Clive Owen is kind of the guy who really helps orchestrate stuff. Paul Walker has this great knowledge of how um, to pull off big jobs and also what the police do. Doug, again, grew up in crime. Not afraid to use a gun. Me, kind of the do-everything man. Nobody to get in a bag, but we go. <laughs> That's you then, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I guess I'm in the bag. Yeah, you're getting in the body bag. All right, what do you got? Who's your last guy? Um, this one was sort of, this This is sort of a no-brainer for me. He's still on the board. I have to take him. It's uh, Neil McCauley from Heat, the other De Niro. I, taking the Uber over, I said, there's no fucking chance John doesn't pick someone from the movie fucking Heat. Well, it's a great movie. It is, and he's a great man. He's another guy. And a great, great choice. So, yeah, because I was wow. I was leaning towards someone from the Heat, but I said no. John's gonna pick someone. My actual, someone. I I thought very hard about picking him, but I, this was kind of an odd one. But I just wanted to make sure the guy I picked survived every like the film, because I was like, if you don't get away with it and live, like spoiler alert, maybe you weren't as good. I mean, it came out in nineteen ninety five. If you haven't seen it, not my fault. I think there's a, there's a ten year limit on spoilers. Um, is that what it is? Yeah, I feel like it less maybe, but probably less now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was why I ended up not picking him. But I do think he's good. He's very smart. He's very smart. Uh, he has a he has another one of he's another guy with a very varied skill set, mm-hmm. um, but can also do the high level planning needed to pull off a complex heist. Uh, I think it rounds out a good team with Indy, who is um, sort of an all. Is a Swiss Army knife type of adventurer and sort of a more good-hearted guy. Definitely better. Definitely the good hot guy. Definitely the group. more of a good hard guy <laughs> in the group. I feel like me and Indy can probably have some laughs. Tom Arnold, uh, Gibson from True Lies is a great band guy and also a very good driver. And he works with CIA, so that's a very uh, he's a very good uh, guy to have. Not in the fray. I, I might wonder, be in the van with him. Honestly. I wonder how Tom Arnold would react to uh, Robert De Niro from Heat. Bit of an interesting personality that's situation true. there. That's true. That's that would be tough. Although Arnold's yeah, a great guy that. in True Lies. Yeah, either. true. He's actually not. He's at a all. pretty serious guy. Tom Arnold? No, Arnold. From Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger from True Lies. He's a badass murderer, and Tom Arnold is like his best friend. I bet you that van's gonna smell bad. <laughs> These guys yeah. sitting there eating fucking yeah. hamburgers and shakes. Tell me how the inside of that fucking bag smells. When yeah, you're right now. you and Yen have slammed in there together. I have all the teams. I am the least likely to end up in a fucking bag because I have a, a guy before that. You pricks might end up in a goddamn Nobody bag. Nobody in my plan needs to be put in a bag. That's the only movie, in the only heist movie of all heist movies, where the main story is a contortionist is stuffed in a bag. Like, if you go back and watch, like, there have been other scenarios where they trick people with, like, various stuff of, like, bringing them in. Never have I seen another movie where, like, the Yen- crew needed a contortionist. Yankin all, Yankin all, no. he's also an acrobat. Okay, but none of the other ones have acrobats either. Think of the greatest heist movies you've ever seen, whether it's Heat or Inside Man or a variety of different stuff. How many of them feature acrobats? None. So <laughs> that goes to tell me most of the time they don't think they need acrobats on the crews. Look or, at real crimes. How often could, are they filled with acrobats? Or they, could, all over the or place. they couldn't find a character. Have you ever seen a news bulletin that goes, and we're searching for a group of guys that robbed the guy in the museum, uh, you know, medium height, Irish names, one tiny man, flipping, possibly was in a bag, jumped out. Never heard that. <laughs> I've missed that one. So, I don't know. My feeling is a contortionist slash acrobat 
may not be necessary for the vast, vast, vast majority of jobs. Well, yeah, just logistically, I feel like you would spend too much time trying to shoehorn him into the plan. Literally and figuratively. If you're telling me you can't find a role for a fucking contortionist, professional contortionist slash acrobat to fucking to get your heist done, then you need a new mastermind guy. Disagreed. Yeah, like, listen, I don't know if Bruce Willis is getting in the bag. Yeah, so you it's gotta be Yen. He's got his fucking highlighter. Yen's got the bag. Nick Wells, played by Bob De Niro, he's gonna drum up something for us. I don't know what he's gonna use me for. Maybe I hold the bag. Yeah, the bag man. <laughs> Target practice, maybe for you. Any um, honorable mentions before we wrap up? I had the guys from Ocean Eleven, obviously, uh, Danny Ocean on there. I had Charlie Croker, who is Mark Wahlberg from the Italian Job. Oh yeah, he's really good in that. He yeah, I was thinking that, was that was that was that Wahlberg's character? Yeah, Wahlberg's character. Yeah, I was. I thought a few guys from. I thought a few guys from Italian Job. Seth Green's character was pretty good. He's really most Def is good in that. Like you could use most Def for sure. Like it kind of. In the, I thought about using him in my version of the Tom Arnold role. Yeah, like he's kind of the van guy. He's really good. Don Cheadle from. Uh, Ocean. Ocean's Ocean's was really, really good. I played the Basher. I think his name. Yeah, Basher. I forgot about him. He was really good. He's really good. He plays a bunch of pivotal roles. He um, does. He actually is really good. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of good guys. I'd be curious to hear from the audience who they think we kind of missed on, because there's so many great heist movies. You know. Yeah, like I think that there's a lot of guys that aren't in heist movies who would be great at heist. I was thinking so Frazier from the Mummy on Mummy. I was thinking, like, <laughs> I'll joke aside him, but also how about someone like Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Drums up a whole entire yeah, same day. Clever. I mean, you're right. you just want clever people, right? Yeah. Or or you do want the Indiana Jones type of like, I had Brendan Fraser on my list because I was like, look, obviously Robin, like the graves or whatever, like finding the artifacts, not the same, but it's also similar. Yeah. And like, you do want guys that are smart and tough and can do a lot of stuff. Like you'd like versatile people, I think is kind of the, yeah, the goal. To- totally. The, the other name I want to throw out there um, that was... Just like I just didn't end up picking him, but I think a no-brainer is Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, great call. Oh jeez, yeah. I mean, he's kind of unstoppable in some you ways. Put him in fu- you put him in a fucking bag. William Neeson <laughs> from Taken would be another guy too. Yeah. Of like, he, he can he do anything he puts his mind to. I couldn't dare fucking bring him up again. He's got Carrie Underwood on his ice team. She's gonna put him in a bag. Yeah, he's going to bed with somebody else. Put Carrie and Yen in the same bag. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with the last segment of the week. Thank you for listening to Save It for the Podcast. If you have any suggestions for a toss-up or a loser of the week, feel free to reach us on Instagram or Twitter at Save It for the Cast. Uh, again, Save It, the number four, the cast. Welcome back, everybody. Time for the last segment of the day, Loser of the Week. Uh, we've been saying it for 25 episodes now. We are never short on losers. A lot last week. Plenty more this week. Who wants to fire us off with a good one? Can I go first? Because I don't want to. I don't want to end our episode on a very serious note. But mine is pretty serious. Uh oh. It is the Texas governor Greg Abbott, who just signed order banning the COVID vaccine as well as mask mandates. Banning it? How can he do that? He signed an order banning COVID vaccine as well as the mask mandates. Yeah, he just said that. <laughs> I just reiterated that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just confused. Um, how do you ban? 
oh, he's banning the, a mandate to make yeah. you get the COVID vaccine. Exactly, forgive me. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying now. He's banning COVID, he's mandate, so you can't mandate them to do that, and they can't. Boy, what a fucking idiot. An ER doctor, Sam Golly, tweeted this. I just left the ER. We are officially back to getting crushed by COVID-19. Delta variant is running rampant, and it's much more transmissible transmissible than the original virus. 99% of our ICU admits did not receive a vaccine. Virtually all of them wish they had. Yeah. And yet, this governor of the one of the largest states in the country is actively speaking out against getting the COVID vaccine. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, shitheads everywhere about this, man. Brutal. It's hard to... It's uh, fucking awful, and from a local standpoint, people from the great state of Texas... Are, are more than welcome, are, are fully able to come to the state of Massachusetts and fucking spread the fucking virus all over the fucking place. It's just, it's, this, the whole thing is just fucking brutal. And from someone with such a high position of power, actively speaking out against the COVID vaccine, it's just disheartening. Yeah. It's a real bummer. Because, I don't know, I mean, it's, it, do you, what, what more do you need to know when... Statistics come out when 98, 99% of people that are in need of going to the intensive care unit for COVID are unvaccinated. What yeah. fucking more do you need to know? I don't understand. I don't get it. Insane. Um, I'm going to piggyback on yours, Mark, but this is like a little bit more lighthearted, if that's okay. No, please. I was, uh, I was hoping for that. Yeah. I mean, I I, I hate doing the, the COVID stuff because it's such a fucking... I want to nip in the bud just because this week seems like things are coming to an end. I don't want to... Yeah. If we like, But this is just sort of ridiculous. Um, there's a restaurant in Huntington Beach, California called uh, Basilico Pasta y Vino, which is mandating that you have to be unvaccinated to get in. Yeah. And... Like, just, like, the outrageous, like, length that this restaurant have, has gone to to try to, like, defy the mask order. And, like, I don't know. They have their own – they have, like, an Instagram account and stuff where they post stuff like Dr. Anthony Fauci wanted for treason, like, not – like, for crimes against humanity. And post all this ridiculous stuff about how they're, like um, – standing up against the tyranny of like the lockdown tiny tyrants and like started a uh, organization called make like make restaurants great again and i don't understand how they've stayed in business so i was like reading about it and here it is of course they fucking accepted their ppp loan and took like sixty thousand dollars from the government and then posted about it when somebody brought it up and we're like that's because it's our money not theirs exclamation point like no masks allowed. They, they put up, like, these huge billboards that say, uh, leave the mask, take the cannoli. Joe, feel free to throw me throw me in as co-loser of the week with that because I saw that post yesterday. Yeah. And I read it really quickly, and what I thought it said was only allowing vaccinated people in oh. to my restaurant. So I posted it, and then a friend of mine sent, sent me a message saying, are you anti-vax? And I said no, and then I read the... The post again, and I said, I, I saw am, you posted that. I I'm an idiot. To say something to you about it. I was like, folks, what the fuck is this? Folks, I mean, I hope, well, I'm hoping what people saw, if nothing else, was that just pointing to the forefront of how fucking idiotic these this fucking restaurant is. Uh, but I, I read it because that's just baffling. Yeah, it's so stupid, man. Just what a silly thing to do if you're trying to make money. Like, at the end of the day, you're a business, and like, you're getting, you're really fucking yourself over. Also, California is a liberal state. 
Like in Huntington Beach is like a very liberal area. It's very shocking to me that they've been able to stay afloat. But shame on them. Losers of the week. And I'm very I'm ashamed to have used it because this is the second restaurant we've now featured on. I know. We're really going after the restaurant. You think I bet you La Biblioteca in, in Atlanta. Maybe it doesn't Don't let Dominic. Doc was public house. That's true. I've, I, this is the second restaurant I've named. Maybe La Biblioteca doesn't allow Dominique Wilkins into his restaurant. But allows Lamar Odin in his sweatpants and all. But I bet you it allow, allows both vaccinated and unvaccinated people into the restaurant. So we'll at least give them the. Yeah, then we got the little tip of the cap there. Pat, who do you have? I actually had Disney. Um, it should be a good time for them with like movies coming back and Jungle Cruise launches this week. They have Black Widow, a bunch of stuff. But they're now being scoot, sued by Scarlett Johansson, and it sounds like um, Emma Stone is soon going to follow. Because they've been releasing these movies on Disney Plus and on um, uh, in theaters as well, which I guess violates the contract. It's just so strange. Like I listened to this great interview with Matt Damon. It sounds like him and other people have like set up their contracts to be fine with that. I know Emily Blunt did to yeah. like work it out. But it seems like they just like screwed over two of the leading ladies that play like a big piece in their. Like, they're doing a sequel for Cruella. Like, I'm sure there's more stuff to do with Black Widow. And they've just... Like, how do you make that mistake? How do you not, how are you not sure that you're not violating somebody's contract when you do it? So I was reading about it, and it just seems like... I guess what happens is with these movies, it's something I never really knew, which I guess kind of makes sense. The stars get, like, a back end of the... Um, actual ticket sales so like you know if it makes whatever 500 million there's like a they get a cut of how much money is generated the studio gets the biggest cut but they also get a cut yeah but it doesn't sound like you're getting any cut of the disney plus sales oh interesting yeah so like it must be that now all of a sudden these people are just paying 30 bucks to go and or to watch it at home yeah and that's a lot of people are choosing to do that i think if you had a family if you had kids yeah you really want to see cruella or black widow like you're just gonna probably get them at home and so, like i yeah. love going to movies i'm going to see jungle cruise tonight but like a lot of people are just gonna get these on um disney plus pay the 30 bucks watch with the family save a bunch of money right. none of it's going to these actresses and even if any of it did it's way less than they would have got otherwise so it's causing quite a calamity for them and you would think a company like disney as big as they are, wouldn't make these kind of mistakes, but I feel like they always do. Companies like this size always do because they don't really give a shit. They're like, they're too big to fail. So it's like, oh, whatever. They'll just throw money at it and hope it goes away. Well, it just seems like again and again, Disney slash ESPN slash the other parts of their business like constantly get things wrong. Like they fuck stuff up. The Maria Taylor thing, like she left for NBC after some bad stuff happened at ESPN. Like there just seems to be a lot of they can't get out of their own way type stuff going on for uh, that organization. And I find them, I don't know, I think they're, they're morons, I guess, is how I view it. Like, I just view it as so stupid to have that happen to you. Because, like, I don't know, it, it should be easy to prepare for because you had so long to prepare for it. Be like, hey, we've got to talk to these people about these deals. So, Right, I mean, if they did their due diligence. Someone shoot them a text. <laughs> yeah, well, Someone's a Scarlet Joe yeah, text. Like, it's not hey, their fault, though, you know? It's like the the... the, the the studio should be working in good faith with their biggest stars to make sure that they, this doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also something weird, too, about it happening to, like, multiple women. Like, I haven't heard of any issues with the men. Like, you wonder if there's something at play there, and it's just an odd scenario to have when you're, like, at Disney, I'm sure, is, like, relieved that movies are starting to be back. Like, you want to get off yeah. on the right foot, kind of, instead, not so much. Uh, that's it for Loser of the Week. What do we got? Anything else to touch on? 
Good question. Um, uh, again, the trade deadline um, will pass in about an hour. I'm curious to see how the Sox shake out, if anything else happens in the AL East. Well, we mentioned off-air Craig Kimbrell trade from the Cubs across down to the yep. White Sox. Javi Baez is going from the Cubs to the Mets, so it sounds like they're having a fire sale. Maybe um, Chris, Chris Bryant comes available, and yeah. you know I know he's linked with Tampa, but maybe the Sox jump in, so... That'll be interesting. I'm sure there's a lot of dominoes to fall from the NBA yeah, not draft. Not for nothing, but even though two-thirds of the podcast haven't really watched much of the Olympics, it is good to see that the USA is in the lead in terms of medals. That's yeah, cool. I'll be keeping a close... I mean, the women are in the... Um, the women's soccer team moved on to the medal stages. It'll be, you know, playing Canada. The basketball will be good to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'll be trying to see as much of the Olympics as I can, or at least... Keeping up with it. I can't wait to see what obscure international player tools on the USA next, right? <laughs> yeah, Yaviselli in the medal round. I don't know if he's got the got it in him to beat us in the medal round. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> who who is the gentleman that was on the Celtics this past season? Not Wagner, but the other the other white guy. Luke Cornett. <laughs> is Luke Cornett? Please tell me he's American, because otherwise he's gonna put a forty. No, spot but you know who's actually on the French team is that horrible, horrible guy the Celtics had for a little bit, Vincent Poirier. Oh my God. He scored like VP seventy seven, baby. Yeah, he's horrible, <laughs> but he, he somehow scored a few points. Uh, I will be trying to check out the Slovenian <laughs> national basketball team too. I don't know if you've seen Luka Doncic. Uh, Luke is worth the price of admission. He's just killing everybody in the Olympics. He scored 48 points the first game without batting an eye. He could have easily broke the um, Olympic basketball scoring record if he felt like it. He's so the team you say could use a guy like that. That's all I'll say. Um, all right. Until next week, save it for the podcast.